Hey, Orchard, it is great to be back with you today. And to those watching online, it's great to have you as well. Before we jump into our series around the table, I just want to encourage you. You just heard Laura talking about it. If you've never been baptized on the weekend of December 1st and 2nd, uh, you would want to be a part of that. It is a great expression of your faith and your trust in Jesus. And so if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to sign up uh, today to be a part of that. Well, we're continuing in our series today called Around the Table. I'm so excited that you're here for it. I, I love this series, and the topic we're talking about today is, is a needed topic in every parent's life. Uh, last week, Doug talked about some principles, and I hope you went home and sat around your table and talked about the principles that every parent, every kid need in their life. Those principles were uh, that every kid needs loving touch. Every single one of them does. They need uh, abundant time, and they need encouraging words, and uh, if you're like me, you've experienced that in your kids' lives. But one of the things that kids need that is not as fun as those things, because those things are fun. It's fun to encourage your kids. It's fun to love on them. It's, it's fun to spend time with them. But something they need just as much is discipline, right? Kids need discipline. Some more than others, if we're honest, they need discipline. And that's not a fun thing. And so this morning we're going to talk about, and here's what you need to know. This is going to be the easiest uh, sermon for you to remember, most easy thing for you to put into practice. Here's what you need to know. This is what you need if you have kids to effectively discipline. Right here, a get-along shirt, right? <clears throat> we're giving these away in the lobby. Let's pray. We're done, all right, God? I'm just kidding. I wish it was this easy, right? Me or my sister would have killed each other if my parents had put us in this. Uh, no, there's, there's some principles in Scripture that talk about discipline. So this morning we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. It's towards the end of your Bible. If you want to uh, turn to that, we'll also have it on the screens for you this morning. But all throughout Scripture there are principles about discipline. And while you're looking that up, I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and you uh, don't have kids, maybe that's not the stage of life you're in, the principles we're going to talk about today, the truths we're going to talk about today when it comes to discipline and just uh, relational conflict and dealing with that, you can apply those to uh, friends and family and the people you work with and the people you lead. If you will put these into practice in those relationships, I think you will see those relationships look different. You will see them look better. And so if you're like me, one of the first questions you have when I say I'm going to talk about discipline is, well, what makes you an authority on discipline? Why can you speak to me about discipline? I, let me give you a couple of credentials. One is I spent eight years in uh, the military, and they like discipline in the military. You know, I didn't know this, but before I went off for three months to officer school, they didn't tell me this, uh, but a gentleman would show up every morning, way before the sun came up, and knock on my door and walk in and check to see if my bed was made the way he wanted it made. You know, I didn't know they were going to do that. Uh, and every morning, if it wasn't, I got in trouble. I got disciplined. Now, I was smarter than him, so after the second morning, I just slept on the floor for the next three months, and I didn't have to make my bed any. I'm telling that. But, but I know that military discipline is a lot different than parenting discipline, right? The, the two are not exactly the same. So here, the best way for me to show you some credentials that, that I know a little bit about discipline is, is this right here. Here are my credentials. Bowen, Ace, and Quincy. Now, I know they look sweet, but they're plotting something right here. If they're this close together and not fighting, it's because they're planning something against their mom and me. And so I, the truth is, I'm not an expert in discipline. I don't think anybody is an expert in discipline. But I live in a world of discipline right now. Every day, my day is filled with having uh, to enforce discipline, to enforce rules. And so it's part of who I am. It's, it's where I'm living. And here's the thing about it. A lot of times, uh, discipline, because it's not fun, because it's so not fun, 
I don't have a plan. Like, it's not something that I planned out. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a category that I've sat down and, and organized and here are all my thoughts. It's just something that I react to. Any of you been there before? It's just like discipline is just a reaction a lot of times. It's not a plan that I had in place. I remember when Quincy was about four years old and her little brother was about two, and we took them to Target. Now, if you have kids and you just go fun shopping, that can go good and it can go really bad. And if it goes bad, it usually happens really quick. You know what I'm talking about? And so we're in Target, and, uh, and the oldest one, Quincy, just decides that for some reason... She needed to beat her little brother up, like over and over and over again. And so she was like doing fly-by punching. She would run by and just hit him and keep running. You know, she'd stand there and just hit him like a speed bag. She was just, you know, and I just had enough, and I scooped her up. And we go over to the pajama section in Target, and I'm talking to my daughter about, we do not hit. It is never okay to hit, young lady. We are never going to hit. Don't hit, don't hit, don't hit. And if you do it again, you're getting a spanking. You get the irony as well. Well, so did she. And she reached up and touched my cheek and she said, Daddy, I thought you said it's never okay to hit. And so I'm standing in the pajama section of Target. I've just been out-reasoned by my three-year-old. And I said, you're, you're right. I, I apologize. Um, and so I didn't really know what to say. But the truth is, you've been there, right? You've, you've just disciplined out of, a, out of a response, a reaction, and not out of a plan. And I think it's so difficult to have a plan is because discipline is never ending. It never stops. We're always doing it, or at least we're always threatening to do it. It's always going on, even on our best of days. I know that this morning, the chances that somebody in this room, uh, your day went, started a little something like this. You walked in, and somebody said, hey, how's your day going? And he said, oh, it's great. If you're really spiritual, you said, man, I feel so blessed, right? But three minutes before, you were in the car holding a kid upside down, shaking candy out of their pockets, right? While the other one was saying, hey, you guys better be on your what? Best behavior. I don't even know what that means, right? But that's the speech. I know that's how our days go because that's been my day before. I have experienced that. That is a place that I have lived. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk about discipline. So I hope that you are ready to dive in this morning. You ready to dive in on this? Yes. Don't make me repeat myself, okay? That was just a, that's just one joke. I want you to be encouraged when you think about discipline because it's not a bad thing. In fact, discipline is a very biblical concept. The pages of scripture are filled with the topic of discipline. And so in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 5, here's what it says about discipline. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Who is it that God disciplines? The ones he loves. Not the ones he's mad at, not the ones he's angry. It's the ones he loves. And so discipline is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. And needed and a necessary thing. And when it's done right, when it's done in biblical discipline, it's so beneficial for us and for our kids. So I want us to be on the same page when it comes to what discipline means. You have this in your notes. Write this down. Here's what discipline is. Discipline is correction driven by love. It's not just correction. It's correction driven by love. Nothing else can drive it. If anything else drives your discipline then it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be done incorrectly. It's going to be done ineffectively. 
It can only be driven out of love if the goal is to have life change. And that is the goal, right? That's the goal in our kids' lives is to change who they are as people. So how do we do it? How do we discipline in love? Well, I think before we can really answer that question, before we can know what discipline in love is, we need to know what it isn't. And all of us as parents are, are guilty of disciplining our kids in an unloving way. And not because we mean to or, or we're hateful or anything. It's just because it's difficult. And so we're all guilty of disciplining them in an unloving way. So I'm going to look at a few examples right now. And, and maybe not all of these resonate with you. Maybe it's a totally different one. Maybe one of these stand out to you. I know which one stands out to me as a way that I kind of default to sometimes when I discipline. But I think we have to address these unloving forms of discipline if we can ever hope to practice discipline in love. And so here's the first example of unloving discipline. Angry discipline. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you've ever disciplined in anger, because here's what I know. If you have a kid, you've disciplined in anger, okay? <laughs> it just has happened, and that doesn't make you a bad person. It's just reality. We've all disciplined in anger. I remember when they handed us our daughter, our first daughter, in the hospital, and she was just this beautiful little bundle, this little uh, package of joy that we wrapped up, and everything was perfect. Everything was so amazing. But something changed one day. She started to walk, and things changed. She started to talk, and things changed. And I remember sitting in that hospital room and thinking, this is perfect. She is perfect. There is nothing wrong with her. And so we were there for a few days, and I remember the morning the nurse came in and said, um, hey, it, it, you're getting dismissed today. You get to go home today. And we thought, okay. And we were so naive. We didn't know what that really was going to entail. And so uh, they cared so much about our precious daughter that they wouldn't even let my wife carry her out of the hospital. They wheeled her in a wheelchair down through the elevator and through the lobby. And they were just so caring and so loving. And your child's so beautiful and so great. And they took us outside and, and they put the brakes on the wheelchair. And then they just dumped us into the street. <laughs> it's true. That's how I remember it. And I turned to ask a question and the nurse was gone. I don't know. She just vanished. And I said, don't I get, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I didn't think this through. I need an instruction. You know how when you buy something nice, you buy a refrigerator, an appliance, a car, they give you an instruction manual. And if something starts going wrong, if something starts messing up, you can look in there and it'll tell you what page to go to and how to fix it and what the problem is. And if, and if it's really just totally broken, there's a number in there where you can call an expert. I didn't get one of those with my kids. They did not give me one of those. And, and because of that, sometimes things do go wrong. And after a long day, I can be angry. The truth is, sometimes first thing in the morning, I can be angry, right? It just, they can push your buttons and you discipline in anger. But look what Paul has to say about anger in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let it control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And I know you may be thinking, Michael... You don't know my kids. If you spent five minutes with them, you would be angry. And that may very well be true. But here's what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, don't get angry. He said, don't sin when you're angry. He said, uh, how you respond while you're angry is what matters. And so I would encourage you as moms and dads, sometimes anger springs up in us. It just comes out to, to take a minute and give yourself a time out. Tell your kid, hey... Hey, you need to go over here and sit down. I need to calm down and gather my thoughts before I discipline. 
Because I could argue, according to Paul here, that when we discipline out of anger, it's not just unloving, but we are sinning. So I want to encourage you not to do that. Another example of unloving discipline is this, occasional discipline. Look what the author of Proverbs says here. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. He goes on in verse 17 and says, Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. It just talks about the longevity of discipline. But here's the truth. Sometimes we only discipline sometimes. You know what I mean? What we punish them for today, what we discipline them for today, they got away with yesterday. And who knows what it's going to look like on Saturday. We just discipline sometimes. It depends on the mood that we're in. It depends on what's going on around us. I call this Etch-a-Sketch parenting. You know what an Etch-a-Sketch is? Some of you had this when you were kids. In Nebraska, this is a computer, but everywhere else. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're Nebraska, from Nebraska. I'm from Kentucky. This is way sophisticated for us. <clears throat> but if you've ever played with one of these, you draw lines on it, and, and you know it's kind of fun. But, but if you shake it a little bit, if you move it a little bit, those lines disappear, don't they? They go away. They were there one minute, but now they're kind of gone because you've moved the Etch-A-Sketch. And sometimes we parent our kids that way. We draw lines and boundaries in their lives, but then based on our mood or what's going on around us, we move those lines. Can you imagine if that's what your work was like? Where you came in, and maybe it is what your work's like. You, you can relate to that. And what you do tomorrow morning, you get in trouble for because they've changed it without telling you. But then on Wednesday, they change it back, and they don't tell you then either. And then a month from now, they change it again. Wouldn't you be so frustrated? Well, why should we expect our kids to be different when we constantly move the boundaries on them? And there's all kinds of reasons that we do this. We're busy. We're tired. We're on our phone. There's all kinds of reasons that we move the boundary lines when it comes to discipline. But when we're inconsistent, when we do it occasionally, we are not loving them well. And so I would encourage you. Uh, not to discipline occasionally. That's not a loving way. But another one, and this one is difficult. This one's hard for us. Um, but it's just a choice. At the end of the day, it's just a choice that we need to make. And we don't, we don't love our kids well when we discipline this way through divided discipline. Divided discipline. Amos 3.3 says this about division. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And the answer is no. And what you experience is a good cop and a bad cop mentality. Mom says yes, and dad says no, or dad says no, and mom says yes. And you pit the parents against each other. And I know most of the time, as parents, that's uh, our heart's intention is not in a bad place when we do this. It's not. But I'm telling you that when we are divided in our discipline, we create confusion to our kids, and we're not loving them well. And here's the thing, moms and dads, you can disagree about discipline. You can disagree about how to discipline and when and why. You can do it, but not in front of your children. You need to have that conversation in private. You need to have that disagreement when it's just the two of you. When you are in public, when you are in front of your kids, you need to be on the same team. Your kids need to know that you are on the same side when it comes to discipline. Because if not, you will create a good cop. And you will create a bad cop. And you will set double standards in your kids' lives that will go with them the rest of the time they live in your home. And it's just not loving. And I know this can get tricky in today's society because we have blended families. We have divorced families and, and the kids spend uh, some time with dad and the kids spend some time with mom. 
And listen, I, I understand the challenges. And you may not be on the same page uh, with your ex-husband, with your ex-wife on anything else. But I would beg you to be on the same page when it comes to disciplining your kids. You may think that you're getting back at your ex by being, uh, being the nice parent. But you're not. What you're doing is teaching your kid is that, that wrong is only wrong depending on where they're at. Right? You're, you're, not dis, you're not loving your kids well in discipline. And so I would encourage you. To do the hard work. Because here's what I know. Is you want the best for your kids. You want the best for your kids. So no matter what that relationship with an ex-husband, an ex-wife, in a blended family. No matter what that relationship looks like. Do what is best for your kids. And they will thank you. And the last example of unloving discipline that I want to talk about is this. Is embarrassed discipline. You know what I'm talking about with embarrassed discipline? It usually goes down in the grocery store. You go in and, uh, you know, you're just shopping and you're pushing your cart and you turn to go down an aisle and there's a kid laying in the middle of the aisle, punching the ground, screaming, kicking the air, right? And you're just like, we're not getting bread this week. I'm not going down there. You know, you just, you keep going. Or maybe it's been you and you're in the middle of the aisle and you're explaining to people around you why you kid decided to throw a jar of pickles. Like, I, I didn't teach them that. They've never done that. I don't know where that came from, right? It's embarrassed discipline. It always happens in public. Our kid behaves bad. And, and so we start making discipline decisions out of embarrassment and not out of love. And we're bribing our three-year-old or we're joking to the people around us instead of disciplining them the way that we should. We want to be anywhere else in that moment. When I was, um, when I was living in Georgia, I had a, uh, an incident with my son. He was three at the time and he was in the uh, driveway of our house and my daughter was playing with him and I was on the side of the house and an air conditioner repairman was there working on our house and I hadn't seen Ace in a little bit and so I said hey Quincy is Ace still out front you know I wanted to make sure he wasn't in the road or anything and, and she ran around the front of the house and looked she came back and she said yeah dad he's pooping and I said okay and I turned and then I thought wait a minute I know this is Georgia but I don't have a toilet in my driveway <clears throat> And so the air conditioner guy, who I know, knew, and he's a single man, kind of looked at me like, and that's why I don't have kids, right? And I was like, I, I probably should go. And so I walked around to the front, and sure enough, my son had just pooped in the driveway. One day he's going to be embarrassed by this. Then again, he may think it's a cool story. I don't know. I said, Ace, what are you doing? He said, I had to go to the bathroom. I said, we don't do that in the driveway. Now, what I wanted to do was be embarrassed. I wanted to yell at him. I wanted to fuss at him. I wanted to make a joke to the AC guy. I wanted to just kind of disappear right then. I wanted to yell, hey, honey, your son needs you, right? Like, that's what I wanted to do. But I got down and said, why did you do that? Well, I didn't realize. We had just kind of taught him. There had been a few emergency situations. And, and as a guy, you can kind of just go pee behind the tree, right? Well, I didn't think I needed to tell him, that's all you can do outside, Okay. Anything else needs to happen in a bathroom. And so when I sat down with him and there was some instruction, there was some direction, uh, I understood the situation. The author of Proverbs says this, direct your children onto the right path. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. They will not leave it. Direct them. They don't always just need you to yell at them and fuss them. Sometimes they need direction in their life. And I want to encourage you not to give in the, the not to give in to the temptation to avoid embarrassment at the cost of directing your kids. Don't give in to the temptation of just getting out of an embarrassing situation when what really needs to happen is your kid needs 
direction. So those are just some examples of unloving discipline. I know there's more, but I hope that you think about this as a parent. What are some ways that maybe you are disciplined, uh, your kids, it's not loving? But now I want to look at uh, four ways, four truths that uh, every parent can apply so that we can discipline our kids in love. And in your outline that you were given, there's after each one, there's a question with a blank beside it. And that's for you to take home, to sit around the table and talk about these questions and answer them when it comes to these ways to discipline in love. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 for the rest of this. If you want to turn, it's just a little to the left of Hebrews, uh, but it will be on the screen as well. So what's the first way that we uh, can discipline in love? It's this, be consistent. We need to be consistent. Look what Ephesians 6 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up. Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. He says bring them up because he knows this is not a one-time deal. This is being consistent. This is not a sprint. This is a long journey that you're on. The finish line may not even be in sight. And I want to help you because being consistent in discipline is difficult. And sometimes kids can be a challenge. And so I want to help you in this. That uh, the more no's you have, the more battles you're going to fight. The more no's you have in your kid's life, the more battles you're going to fight. Sometimes my default answer is just no. Can anybody relate to me? It's just no. You know, hey, can I go get the mail? No. Actually, it would have been really helpful, but my answer was just no. I didn't even think about it. Or sometimes they don't even get the question out. Hey, can I? Nope, you can't. Dad, I didn't, no, no. The answer, no, that's just kind of my default answer. I, I want to encourage you that, uh, that the more no's you put into their life, the more battles you're going to have. Give them freedom where you can. You've got to choose which hills you're going to die on. And the reality is, most of the hills are not worth dying on. I, I like to say it like this. You have it in your notes. Give your kids a tree of no in a garden of yes. Right? Let the things that you say no to, they are serious and they are real and you will discipline and you will hold them to that. But where you can give them freedom, give them freedom. Try that in your home and see if it's not more pleasant. Because when everything's a no, we just we become white noise. They stop listening to us or they get angry at us. So where you can give them the freedom to make a choice, and I know that's age appropriate, but where you can, give them that freedom. That's a way that you can discipline in love. Another way is this, is to be intentional. Be intentional. Look back in Ephesians. Look what he says. He says, bring them up with the discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction. Listen, it's not just commands. It's not just a list of rules. And I'm not saying they need to understand everything. There's different times in their life when they need to understand. But we can give instruction along with discipline. Right? We can give discipline and also provide instruction. I like to say it like this. Uh, teach them what's right more than you discipline them for what they did wrong. They need the discipline, but they also need the instruction. They need you to teach them. They need you to be intentional in what you are telling them and why you are disciplining them. When I was um, a little boy, uh, my dad was a quiet man. And he was sitting on the couch one night. And I was sitting there with my sister, and I was playing G.I. Joe's, and she was playing Barbie. And now I was in a fight for the world. Uh, we were fighting. In fact, you're here today in a free world because we won that battle with my G.I. Joe's, all right? And she was playing Barbies, and guys, you may know what happened next. She did the unthinkable, and she reached over into my battle 
She took a G.I. Joe and entered him into a dating relationship with Barbie. (laughs) They're not even close to the same size, okay? This doesn't make sense at all. And so I'm looking at her, and and I think, what have you done? We could lose this war because of your silly Barbie game, you know? And so I did the only thing that any, I think, reasonable child would do. And I reached over and I slapped my sister across the face. And my dad turned to me. His name's Roger. I call him Big Rog now. I didn't at the time. (laughs) Big Rog looked at me. And he said, boy, if you ever hit your sister again, I know, that's not a complete sentence, is it? (laughs) He just stopped. There was no instruction. My thought was, what? Is she annoying you as much as she is me? Like... (laughs) If I do it again, I get the big bedroom. What's, go, what's going down here, Dad? Fill me in. <laughs> there was no instruction in that situation, although I could kind of guess by his tone where that was heading. I, I want to encourage you that, that along with discipline, you need to provide instruction. The reason we discipline is not just for behavior modification. The reason that we discipline is to give our kids wisdom to teach them. If it's just about behavior change, then it's more about you than it is about them. If it's just to change your behavior, it's because you're angry, it's because you're embarrassed, it's because you're frustrated. It has to be more about them. Don't discipline for your comfort. Do it for their development. Do it to grow who they are. Be intentional. Teach them so you're developing their character, not just changing their actions. And they want this, especially when they're little. They'll ask why, why, why. And I understand you can't answer all those whys, but when you can, give them the why. Not just the what. Don't just tell them what to do, but tell them why. Because you are shaping who they are. And that takes time. But you have to be intentional. Which leads us to the third way that we love and discipline. Is be patient. Right now, we can all use some more of this, can't we? Be patient. Character, moms and dads, is not formed in a single setting. It's not formed in a solitary teaching moment. You will have to tell your kids over and 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 over again the same thing. It takes time and we have to be patient. Here's what Paul tells us back in Ephesians 6. He's speaking to dads especially. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Why would he say this? Because he knows that we can do this. That we can lose our patience. We can lose our minds sometimes. We get so frustrated. And dads, he says dads because I think we're the worst at it. This happens to us quicker than the moms. They are more patient. We have told our kids a hundred times not to hit each other. We've told them a hundred times what time they need to be home. We have told them over and over and over again. And something just snaps. And we lose our cool, right? We start making up rules that don't even make sense. And we start punishing them for things that they did a long time ago or that we just think maybe they did or that they're going to do next week, right? We just lose our minds and we push them to anger, especially when they are older. And listen to me, if we do that, if we make them angry because we lose our patience with them, they're going to put up a wall and they're going to stop listening to us. We need to discipline out of compassion and out of patience, not out of anger and frustration. Because here's what I know is true about your kids. And I know it's true about your kids because it's true about you. This is in your notes. Kids will choose what is right out of love for you way longer than they will out of fear of discipline from you. Right? They'll choose to do what's right because they love you 
way beyond the time that they will fear the discipline from you. That's true about you too, right? You'll do something because you love someone way longer than you will out of fear of that person. When our discipline comes from compassion, we will be more patient. That doesn't mean that we're not uh, intentional. It doesn't mean that we're not consistent. We just realize that it takes time for these kids to become who they are becoming. Aren't you glad that's how God disciplines us? That he's patient with us? That it's not one strike and you're out, but that he is gracious and patient with us. See, the two are not at odds. You can discipline and be patient. And the fourth way we can discipline and love, and this is the one that ties them all together, this is the reason that we want to get these other ones right, is this, is we want to be purposeful. We want to be purposeful. Look what it says back in Ephesians 6. Is we want to bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. We want to bring them up with instruction that comes from God. Listen, moms and dads, listen. You may have missed everything else. Don't miss this. Your purpose as a parent is to plant the gospel of Jesus Christ deep in the hearts of your children. That is what your purpose is. It is for your kids to know God and to love God and to live for God. That is your purpose as a parent. That is why you discipline. It has to be for that purpose. It's not so that they go to college one day. It's not so that they get a good job one day. It's not so that they make good grades in school. It's not so that that they're awesome on the sports team. And listen, I hope they are all of those things. When my kid meets your kid on the basketball court, I hope my kid dominates, all right? But that is not the goal of my parenting. That is not the reason I discipline. My purpose is to introduce them to their heavenly father because he loves them immeasurably more than I could ever love them. And that's your purpose, mom and dads. That is your purpose. And I want you to have a purpose and not just a punishment. I want you to have a purpose when you go home with your kids and not just a punishment. You could say it like this. Your purpose is not to make an immediate impact on their behavior. It's to make an eternal impact in their heart. This is your purpose. This is why you pray with your children. This is why you read scripture with your children. This is why you talk about Jesus. This is why you discipline with your kid, discipline your kids. And listen, I get it. It can be overwhelming. There are seasons when it just is overwhelming. I, I understand that, but I want you to know that you don't have to be alone in this. We talk about small groups here at Orchard a lot. And it's not just so you can be in a small group. It's so that when you are just kind of At the end of your rope with your kids, you don't know what else to do. You can sit at a couch with somebody else who maybe been there before or is there right now, and they can love you and encourage you. You don't have to do this alone. If you've got a middle schooler or high schooler, guess what? They're going to stop listening to you one day, mom and dad. And, And we want you to have somebody that can speak into their lives that say the same thing that you've been saying. That's why we have our fuel student ministry on Sunday nights here. And so that they'll listen to somebody, and the people who are there, the volunteers who are there, are going to say the same things you've been saying. Right now, on this side of the building, over in OC Kids, if you have kids over there, there are some amazing, amazing volunteers who are loving on your kids, and they're teaching them about Jesus. They're following along with your purpose to introduce your kids to Jesus. In fact, so much so, they give them a little sheet of paper for you to come home and sit around the table and talk to your kids about Jesus throughout the week. 
It's an amazing partnership to help you fulfill your purpose as a parent. When we moved here um, a few months ago, we had checked our kids in, and we were still kind of getting used to things, getting uh, adjusted, and I hadn't really looked at those papers yet. And one night, we're sitting around the table, and my son Ace says, hey, I want to tell you my Bible verse. And I, I, should, I missed the opportunity. I should have said, yes, son, the Bible verse I taught you, but I didn't. I missed it. I didn't teach it. And so I looked at my wife and said, did you teach him? And she said, no, I didn't teach him. So he said, Ace, what is it? And he, and he told us 1 Timothy 4.12, which is this, to set an example in what you say and how you live. And I was like, Ace, that is amazing. Where did you learn that? And he said, in my class. And so we filmed. I, I want you to see Ace say this as a, he was around our table. 1 Timothy 4.12. Sit and simple. And what you say and how you live. <laughs> listen, listen. That's what discipline, that's what parenting is all about. You are not alone in this. Can you imagine being called to a greater purpose than this? Than to, than to see your child talking about Jesus? To see the gospel beginning to take root in their heart? That's what it's about, Mom. That's what it's about, Dad. It's not about behavior modification. It's about introducing them to Jesus. And I know all kids are different, and all kids have to be disciplined at different stages and different levels. But these truths apply across the board. You can be consistent. You can be intentional. You can be patient. And you all have the same purpose. And this is so important, moms and dads. You, you can't ignore this. This is so important for you to discipline them now with the purpose of introducing them to Jesus because your kid will experience discipline. As their mom and dad, you get to choose how and when. And if you neglect it now, then, then they will experience it in school. They will experience it at a job. They will experience it from someone who doesn't care about their eternity, who doesn't care about their heart, who probably doesn't even love them. They will experience discipline in that way. Or you can choose. You can choose to do it in love, with a plan, and for a purpose. And I know it's difficult, but it's so worth it. Back in Hebrews where we started this, they wrap up this discussion about discipline by saying this in verse 10. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. See, they even had trouble back then. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his what? His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable. It's not, it's not enjoyable when we're receiving it. It's not enjoyable when we're giving it. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Moms and dads, it is worth it. You will reap a reward in the heart of your children if you discipline them in the love of God. And here's what's great. You get to model what this looks like for them. Because the writer of Hebrews here, he wasn't talking to kids. He was talking to you and me. He was talking to adults and he was saying, listen, discipline for you as adults is not fun. It is not enjoyable. It is painful. But when it is accomplished, you are made more holy. You are made more like God. And so as that takes place in your life, you get to then filter that down to these precious children who have been given to you by God. It's an amazing opportunity. We should not dread discipline. 
Yes, it is difficult. Yes, it is painful. But when it's done, when it's done God's way for a purpose, it will shape us and it will shape our kids more in the image of God. And so we have a couple of options when it comes to discipline. We can ignore it as parents and let somebody else do it. We can choose to just do it for behavior modification or we can choose to do it with a purpose, to introduce them to God, to transform their lives to look more like Him. And so the questions I would leave you with this morning, mom and dad, is what is your purpose when it comes to disciplining your kids? What's your purpose? Do you know that purpose? Have you had that conversation? Hey, what is our purpose? What is this going to look like for us? But I would also, for everyone in this room, I would encourage you, as the writer of Hebrews was talking to adults, maybe right now you have felt the discipline of your heavenly father in your own life. I would ask you to evaluate what is the purpose of that discipline? What is he trying to teach you? What is he trying to lead you to or away from? Those are questions only you can answer. But it's so worth answering in your own life and in the life of your kids. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you this morning, for those of you who have kids, and you say, Michael, man, discipline is difficult. It is hard. That is where I'm living. Maybe it's with a teenager or a young kid. Maybe it's with grandkids. Man, I, I just want to pray for you. I just want to encourage you because we're in this together. We're in this together. And so if that's you this morning, you say, Michael, I, I don't want to discipline in an unloving way. I don't want to do it out of anger and inconsistency and, and embarrassment. I want to do it for a purpose. I want to, I want to do it to shape my kid to be more like Jesus. I just, I just want to start afresh today in disciplining my kids. If that's you, and I just want to pray for you, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. His hand's all over. God, thank you for these moms and dads who are so willing to say, hey, I just don't have this discipline thing figured out. I don't know that we ever do. But thank you for giving us some truths in your word to help us discipline our kids for a purpose. May, may you, these moms and dads remember every day that it's for a, a long goal of shaping their character to be more like you, not just to change their behavior. Give them the strength and the patience to do this with your heads still bowed and your eyes closed I just want to ask for those of you sitting here this morning you may say Michael man I've read that passage in Hebrews about our Heavenly Father disciplining those He loves but but if I'm honest I don't have a relationship with the Heavenly Father I've never given my life to Jesus I have never trusted Him to be my Savior if that's you this morning and you would say, I want, that. I, I, I want to know my Heavenly Father. I want to have a relationship with my Creator. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And there's nothing magical about these words. I just want to invite you to pray this. If you're ready to accept Jesus as your Heavenly Father, pray this. God, thank you for loving me and giving your Son to die for me. Please forgive me of my sins. And I trust you as my Savior, my Heavenly Father. With heads still bowed and eyes closed, I don't 
never want to embarrass anyone here, but I, if you just prayed that prayer, I, I would love to know about it so I can pray for you, so our staff can pray for you because it's the most important decision you have ever made. So if you've prayed that prayer, no one's looking around. On the count of three, I would just ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you prayed that, raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, I see you. Man, let me, let me pray for you. God, Decisions were just made in these seats to enter into a relationship with you, for you to be their heavenly father, for them to experience love like they have never experienced before from their creator. So God, I pray that you would give them the boldness to walk in that new relationship. God, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Listen, if you just raised your hand and you just entered into a relationship with your Heavenly Father, that is the greatest decision you have absolutely ever made. Yeah, you can give them a hand, absolutely. That is the greatest decision you can ever make. And so in just a moment, we want to invite you um, to slip out and go out into the lobby. There's a booth out there called I Said Yes. And somebody out there just wants to give you a little book to answer some questions about the decision you just made, some next steps. And so we want to make sure that you slip out there and do that. Well, moms and dads, you've got this, all right? We're on the same side here. You've got this. You have a purpose to discipline your kids. I love you, Orchard. Thank you.